hello everyone welcome to another episode of Dizcast. uh today we are going to be covering the 1967 classic the jungle book which is of course uh based on the book by rudyard 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 kipling yeah from uh or uh, published in 1894 uh, but before we jump into that, of course, we're going to do some quick news up at the up at the top of the show. Uh, first, it's kind of well, I don't, I wouldn't say it's like a major, major headline, um, but it it definitely did uh, uh, get covered by a few uh, local news as well. Um, there was a fire at the Magic Kingdom in Orlando, uh, a small little fire uh, that resulted in um, no real damage or anything like that, but uh, it was discovered and then it was quickly put out by a fire extinguisher nobody was hurt everyone got out fine uh but it, it one of the big things was that uh emergency vehicles were seen driving down main street uh which i just think is just an interesting sight to see really because you never really think about that kind of stuff uh but of course you know accidents happen apparently it happened uh from what i what i from what i've been able to surmise it happened in the um uh, the Cinderella's Cinderella's dining kitchen because like it, in the in Cinderella's castle in Magic Kingdom that's where you can do like a big dining experience and stuff like that. So it seems like the fire started there. So it was probably like a, a kitchen fire that happened, you know. But regardless, it was discovered, put out really fast. Nobody was hurt. Everybody got out safe. Everything was okay. So that was like kind of that's kind of one of the major headlines. Uh, another one is something that I discovered recently, and I didn't realize it was going to be a thing. But apparently, there's going to be a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs live action remake. Uh, based on the 1937 film. Now, here's the thing. Uh, this remake is going to be starring uh, Gal Gadot as the Evil Queen and Rachel Zegler, Zegler? Ziegler? Uh, as the titular character of Snow White. Now, if some of you don't know who this is, Rachel Ziegler is, uh, plays Maria in the Steven Spielberg West Side Story. So this is going to be interesting because... Both Gal and Rachel are women of color. So the big kind of discussion is whether it works with the story to have these women of color even be in the in the film. Now, my whole thing is you can you can bring up the argument that like oh like the description of snow white is that she's supposed to have like like her lips red as the rose hair black as ebony skin white as snow but the big thing that you got to remember is that these are fairy tales that were written several hundred years ago also the story of snow white i believe is actually a um oh what are they called uh is a grim fairy tale if i'm right and if that's the case, like those stories were written with only certain people in mind, like uh, I believe Snow White is a Germanic story. And so that's going to be the focus. Now, he, the the race or the skin color of this particular character doesn't necessarily, um, what's it called, matter? Like her race doesn't affect the story in any way, really. So you have the flexibility to be able to do that sort of thing. Plus, every other depiction of Snow White that we've ever seen has been basically a white person. And, like, the reason that Walt's version of Snow White, the original 1937 one, is a white character is because it was done in the 1930s, where white people were, you know, the focus of everything. So the fact that they're having a cast of color or even a person of color uh because she's latina um or latina i should say is uh really neither here nor there it really doesn't make a difference it doesn't matter it's the same thing as like when people were coming forward and being like oh like it's it's dumb that ariel is going to be a black girl and blah 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 it's like yeah but does it really matter i don't think it matters i think the reason you're mad about it is because you just want to be mad about something so that's kind of the big thing, is that uh, Snow is not going to be white. <laughs> Snow White isn't going to be white. But I feel like you can still call her Snow White. I mean, like, her name has nothing to do with it, I don't think. But regardless, I'm fine with it, personally. I mean, I love the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I think it's a really, really phenomenal film. Uh, of course, we've covered it on the podcast. You know, we've talked extensively about it. 
I think it's a great movie. Uh, and I'm excited to see what they do with it, you know? So, yeah, we'll get to that. Now, so, yeah, so there hasn't really been a whole lot uh, in regards to a lot of the... Uh, a lot of major other updates uh, other than I, I i believe there's still there's still cancellations happening with the um uh with the hotel with uh the galactic star cruiser that's still happening and i don't think disney is happy about it but you know what honestly i don't care i could not care less whether or not they're happy about it or not like i understand what they were trying to do i just don't think it was executed properly and I feel like part of that is because they're not caring. They don't care. And if they don't care, why the fuck should I care? You know? If the people who are actively trying to create this experience don't give enough of a shit to actually, A, fund it properly, B, have artistic people come forward and do their damn jobs like they sh- like they were hired to, and, like, C, like, have, you know, uh, money-hungry, greedy CEOs and shit just basically looking for more and more ways to funnel money out of people. I'd be more sympathetic, but I'm not because as far as I'm concerned, they're doing everyone a disservice. So not even just us as fans, but as patrons and the staff, like I feel bad for the staff. I feel bad for them because I know that they're going to get a lot of flack for it. And that sucks because they don't deserve it. They shouldn't. It's not their fault. Just blame everything on Bob Chapek. He's he's the main problem. Anyway, so uh, without further ado, we are now going to talk about Walt Disney's The Jungle Book. Again, as I said before, it was released in 1967, uh, October 18th to be exact. Running time, roughly 78 minutes. Uh, it's it's a fun movie. I actually really like this movie. So we open up on, uh, on a storybook uh, because, of course, this... Uh, story is based on a book so it opens up to these really really beautiful uh, backgrounds and paintings and art that you just kind of pan over kind of thing with uh, with another little overture of a lot of the music that's occurring in the film not even necessarily the songs but like the music which I thought was which I thought was different Um, this movie does at the beginning of the film have a little disclaimer Uh, it has the what's it called um the sensitivity disclaimer uh that i think i've read aloud in the past but i'm just gonna read it again uh just so that everyone is aware of it the one that i have found uh because i don't i think it might depend on which one but or like on which film it comes across um because there's a couple different kinds but this one uh, that's in front of jungle book uh, reads the pro uh, this program includes negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures these stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now rather than remove the content we want to acknowledge its harmful impact learn from learn from it and speak and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together Disney is committed to creating stories with inspiration or with inspirational and aspirational themes that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience around the globe. Uh, to learn more about how stories have impacted society, visit www.disney.com slash stories matter. So all in all, I like it. I think it's very, it's, it's concise. It's basically saying like, look, this shit was bad in the past. It's not great now, but you know, we're going to, keep it as is because uh because i think i think it matters like i think it's important to have it the way it is so that we are aware of why it's not great you know what i mean so yeah and when i watched it i i had that in mind and i was curious as to like because whenever i hear or read the disclaimer kind of thing and then i watch the film i think about okay what exactly specifically are they referring to in some cases, it's far more obvious. Like in Dumbo, with the uh, with the the uh, the black workers, um, with Peter Pan, with you know the uh, the indigenous folk, but with the Jungle Book, I feel like I don't know. It's a little more difficult. Maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just me. Um, and maybe this is because you know I am not Indian, and so it's really hard for me to 
really pinpoint where the issues lie. I can see some of them, I think, like some of the more subtle ones. Like, for example, the fact that quite a few of these characters uh, are actually, um, what's it called? Uh, English, like, as in, like, England English, which is, of course, a problem <laughs> considering the fact that England had, like, uh, colonized India for so many years. You know, that's kind of a problem and you know India wasn't exactly happy being under uh, uh, colonial rule as you know is generally the case whenever colonialism is involved <laughs> um, but yeah I do think that it was interesting that they that they did that I, I, I don't know if it was necessarily on purpose or if it just happened to turn out that way because they wanted to have them sound I guess sophisticated quote-unquote I mean only a couple of the characters are sound British. Like, I know Colonel Hathi sounds British. Bagheera is a little British. Um, Shere Khan yeah, is definitely uh, British. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some of the other accents are a little more subtle. Mowgli is definitely not. Uh, so, yeah. But there's definitely instances where I was like, oh, yeah, like, I don't know if it's great that they're, you know, like, British in a film that takes place in India that for many years was under, you know, British rule, and it was not great. Not great for them. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, so we have the sensitivity disclaimer, and then it opens up on the little book that opens with the, with the things. Uh, and you're, we're, we're given like a little, a, um, uh, what's it called? A, uh, a narration by Bagheera, you know, basically talking about the jungle and how like he came across this basket that just started wailing and crying, and he discovers a human inside the basket. Of course, he's sympathetic to this little human baby, and so he takes it, rather than leaving it there for it to die, and knowing that it was, you know, days to get to the nearest man village that they refer to, of course, which would just be the regular, like, human uh, uh, human settlement, uh, he takes it instead to a pack of wolves, uh, because he knows they did, uh, that they just had a litter of puppies, and so the mother is feeling very maternal still, and so presents it with a new puppy, or a new human, a new baby. And so the wolves take him in, take Mowgli in. And so Mowgli for the next 10 years uh, is raised by wolves. Uh, yeah. And so we see him get older. But the thing is, is that suddenly um, uh, we discover that Shere Khan, who's kind of, he's feared amongst the jungle. Um, and we know for a fact that he is, he hates humans he hates man because of their fire and their guns uh we learned this by uh by bagheera and so the wolves get gathered together and they discuss mowgli's safety because of course mowgli is in danger you know if shere khan finds out that he's there he's just gonna kill him so they come to the decision that mowgli needs to go back to the man village for his own safety uh the interesting thing is is that there are uh, kind of a minor sidebar here uh there are instances amongst when Mowgli is with the wolves that you see bits of repeat animation so this is this is going to be a thing for a bit I, I've mentioned this before in which because of the fact that um uh that the studio was not doing great financially they had to cut some corners and so one of the corners that they did cut was the fact that they used repeat animations so there is an instance in here in which Mowgli is, after returning, you know, from like frolicking in the jungle, he's uh, attacked by some of his wolf siblings, older wolf siblings. Now, if you look closely, you'll notice that the animation that's that's used at that point is exactly the same animation that was used in Sword in the Stone, when uh, Arthur returns to the castle and he's attacked by a couple dogs that you know are just there because everybody had dogs in, in you know, the Dark Ages, I guess. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's very interesting how there's, cause there's several cases within the film that you see, not just repeat animation from other movies, but then also repeat animation within the same film. Like there's instances when Bagheera is running, is like running along a tree that it's like, oh, they just took that and then like mirrored it so that he was running the other direction, you know? Uh, so it's just very interesting that there's very, very clear examples of this, um, uh, the repeat animation thing. But anyway, it, it, it for me, it doesn't necessarily take away from the film. Uh, I think it's just a very, it's just when you notice it, you notice it, right? And uh, the only time it really bothers me 
is when there are instances in which the characters are speaking, but it doesn't match what they're saying because they had to repeat the animation, right? So, but yeah, so there's several there's several examples uh, of that going on within within the film, and it'll it'll happen within the subsequent films as well. Up until, um, what's the let's see, I know what happens in Robin Hood. It happens in Aristocats. Uh, I don't think it happens in The Rescuers. Anyway, we'll get to those films later once we get into the next stage. Uh, which, hold on, off the top of my head, uh, we just did The Golden Age. We're just finishing up The Silver. I want, I, is it referred to as The Bronze Age? Anyway, we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. I'm, I'm jumping ahead now. Anyway, so Bagheera agrees to take Mowgli to the Man Village to escort him because of course they've done little romps through the jungle before together and so he knows that Mowgli will trust him so he takes Mowgli Mowgli's like hey Bagheera it's getting late shouldn't we go back and Bagheera's like we're not going back I need to take you to the man village and of course Mowgli is upset about it he doesn't want to go back he wants to stay in the jungle which you know it's it's his home you know it's everything he's ever known it makes sense that he doesn't want to go back right or to go to this random place that he's never heard of or he's never experienced before he's scared he's also 10 years old anyway uh this is also where we first meet Ka, which is very funny uh i I think he's a python i want to say he's a python uh yes an indian python um who like tries to eat Mowgli but then of course Bagheera like swats him away it's very funny there's a lot of like really good physical humor of like him like he like intertwines himself amongst branches and stuff and then he gets like swatted away and then he's just like he's like bouncing from tree to tree spinning along a branch because he's coiled himself it's the whole thing is actually quite funny uh and then as he's slithering away as he's slithering away he's like in like a um it makes an accordion sound because he goes and then he's like kind of his like his coils are all like jagged and bunched up and fucked and so he's like oh it's gonna affect my slithering it's very funny um the voice actor for ka uh is actually voiced by uh where's his name i got it i promise i promise i got a sterling holloway again well like sterling holloway we know him from way back when when he was mr stork and dumbo uh so yeah, he's uh, a very, very prominent voice actor uh, within the Disney, the Disney company. Um, Walt definitely made it a thing where he was uh, he would reuse people when it came to um, when it came to characters. Uh, he would reuse a lot of voice actors. Uh, another example, I believe, is when he's uh, is Colonel Hathi because he plays Colonel Hathi. Or sorry, no, this is a different, totally different person. Uh, the voice actor who played Colonel Hathi uh, was also in. Uh, he's also in Mary Poppins. Uh, he's also in Alice in Wonderland as the Tweedles. Um, I had thought that maybe he was the same voice actor for, as Ector in uh, Sword in the Stone, but I believe I am wrong on that. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing that here in his, uh, like in his list of credits. So then I, so I, I guess I'm wrong on that. Uh, J. Pat O'Malley is whom I'm referring to. So I'm wrong on that, which is fine. I'm okay being wrong, but it just sound it sounds a lot very similar to him. Anyway, so it's definitely not uncommon for the Walt Disney or for Walt to reuse voice actors. Uh, another example is uh, the girl who did the voice of Alice also did the voice of Wendy, like that kind of stuff. Uh, but Sterling is definitely one of those voices that you hear and you're like, oh, I know this voice kind of thing. So uh, moving on uh, after and the next day there, uh, they come across the elephant patrol who, as I went, as I mentioned, is led by Colonel Hathi. Uh, and it's it's just a very funny sequence um, just with the fact that all these elephants are like marching, like are, are just marching as if they're in the army kind of thing, because of course that's what Hathi's whole thing is, right? Uh, Mowgli befriends the son of Colonel Hathi, which really doesn't go anywhere. It's just kind of a thing that they do. It's just kind of a thing that is established, but then doesn't really pay off. Like it kind of pays off near the end 
when the son, when his son like convinces uh, Colonel Hathi to help in finding Mowgli when Mowgli disappears. But even then, that doesn't really amount to much. At this point, I think this is just them trying to uh, flesh out more uh, story and just include as much as they can, I guess. Anyway, so Bagheera finds Mowgli amongst the elephants. Um, the two of them fight because, of course, Mowgli doesn't want to go back. He doesn't want to go or not go back. He wants to go back to the jungle. He doesn't want to go to the village. And so he decides, you know what? Fine. You can go ahead and just be on your own. So Mowgli finds Baloo. Now, Baloo is a sloth bear. Uh, now, the sloth bear uh, is, in fact, native to uh, the Indian subcontinent. Um, eats fruits, ants, and termites, just like in the film when they're doing the whole bear necessities thing. You see him eating a lot of fruits and talks about eating ants and stuff like that. So it's actually very accurate. But it's the big thing, though, is that his look doesn't look very bad. Uh, doesn't really look like a sloth bear. He looks a lot just like a regular bear that we in North America would notice. And I think that's, and I definitely think that's on purpose because when we think bear here in North America, we think, you know, like a grizzly or a black bear, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, And so I think it makes sense for them to have animated him to look like a bear that we would be more, uh, that we would more easily recognize as opposed to what an actual sloth bear looks like, which is actually very different. Uh, I'll try and see if I can post a link to images of a sloth bear so you can all kind of see what it looks like. Uh, but it's very, very, he's a very weird looking little guy. He's got like, <laughs> just looks so weird, you know, like weird ears and like, it, it doesn't look like this thing should exist. And yet it does. It's just very silly. I know that when they did, because there's a there's another uh, dip, uh, movie based on the Jungle Book. Because I, I believe the Jungle Book is like the 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 story itself. I believe is in the public domain. <clears throat> uh, but I think there's a movie, and it has like Ant, uh, Andy Serkis as Baloo, and like the 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 bear that they use in that film definitely looks a lot more like a sloth bear. It's just real weird looking. It's real funky. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but I digress. Uh, but he meets Baloo, and Baloo kind of takes an immediate liking to Mowgli because he sees that Mowgli just really wants to, like, uh, just live and just exist in the in the jungle. I almost said forest. <laughs> exist in the jungle just, you know, just to have fun and live his life and just be left alone. And Baloo, I think, really uh, vied with that. And then, of course, we have, you know, one of the most iconic songs from this movie, uh, The Bare Necessities. Now, the songs in this movie, almost all of them were written by um, the Sherman Brothers, uh, except for this one, The Bare Necessities, which was written by Terry Gilkison. Gilkison? Gilkison. Yeah. Uh, Who was a longtime collaborator of Disney. Uh, so a bunch of the other songs that he wrote for the film, Walt had thought they were a bit too dark for, he still wanted it to be lighthearted. And so, uh, the only one he kept from the few that Gilkison had written was the bare necessities. Cause it's the one that really had the, that lightheartedness. And then all the other songs were by the Shiver brothers. Uh, so the other songs that we have like, uh, are of course, um, trust in me, uh, which is the song that is sung by Ka. Uh, there's Colonel Hathi's March, uh, which is very fun. Uh, I want to be like you, which is like a freaking. it's just a, a fun bop, quite frankly. It's just, it's just super up in the air and very fun. And it's great. I love it. Uh, that's what friends are for, which is by, which was sung by, uh, the vultures, Mowgli and eventually Shere Khan, like at the end of the film. Um, and yeah. And so, but I think when you think of this movie, you think of the bare necessities. It's kind of the iconic song from this from this movie. Only really beat just I think just 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 beating out "I Want to Be Like You," which is the other really really good one in this movie. Uh, in my opinion, I think those two are definitely the standouts. Uh, but yeah, so they do the bare necessities, which you know you can't not love that movie, or not that movie, not, not the movie that song. You can't not hear that song and not just enjoy it. Now, do I think the song has, uh, not that it doesn't have merit, but do I think, you know, do I think Baloo is right 
in his belief of this kind of stuff. I mean, the idea is that, like, don't look for things that you don't need. Uh, just think about the things that you only really need. Um, you know, old mother nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Uh, when you look under the rocks and plants and take a glance at the fancy ants, then maybe try a few. The bare necessity of life will come to you. Uh, just talking about, just forget about your worries and your strife. Just forget about everything else. All you need are just the bare necessities of life, and that's all you need. Now, this sentiment, I think, is valid. Uh, however, I do think it's a little misguided guided maybe because the thing is is that sometimes you need more than just the bare necessities like like what would be the bare necessities like to a bear the bare necessities are you just need your food and like i guess a place to sit and sleep maybe but like i guess to us as people like what do we need like the bare necessities are things like shelter and food and uh ways to keep warm uh our health you know ways to stay healthy and stuff like that and so i think it's really it's very very subjective as to what the bare necessities are right and so and you know uh for some people the bare necessities could be you know uh their depression medication and so for others it's not right like there it's i i, I really feel like it's a very subjective idea as to think about what are the bare necessities right but i think it's i don't think it's a bad idea to consider that you know, you don't need excess, right? All you really need is just what you need to make you happy and, I guess, to keep you going. I think that's, I th maybe that's the takeaway, is that you don't need big, lavish things. All you need is just the stuff to keep you happy and the stuff to keep you going. And in that, in that sense, then I do think the sentiment is valid, or more valid, I think. Shortly after that... Mowgli gets found by a bunch of monkeys and he gets kidnapped. He gets kidnapped and taken to um, King Louis, who is an orangutan. Uh, I do think it's funny that he he refers to Mowgli as cousin because, uh, of course, humans are uh, close cousins to just apes in general, specifically chimpanzees. But, you know, why not? An orangutan, sure, they're, they're apes. <laughs> and uh, so the whole thing there is that Louis... Uh, wants to be he wants to be as close to human as possible but of course he can't necessarily do that because you know he's an ape and so what he wants is he wants to get something out of Mowgli that he thinks that Mowgli has which is the secret to fire now the problem is, is that of course Mowgli doesn't know how the hell to make fire he was never taught right because nobody in the jungle knows how to make fire except for man so that's the kind of the trap because of course he because of course Louis hears that Mowgli wants to stay in the jungle that's all he wants and so Louis is like hey I can use this to my advantage sure you can stay in the jungle but you got to do this for me first right like that kind of trade-off thing which I, don't, which I don't think is necessarily unfair it's just when Mowgli is telling you like I have no idea what the hell you're talking about like what has he got to lose to for lying he's literally given the option like look if you give me this thing then you can go ahead and stay in the jungle under my protection kind of thing but it, so where does it make sense for Mowgli to lie, right? It doesn't. So that's why I don't necessarily think it's fair for, uh, for Louis to kind of. Uh, he doesn't necessarily mistreat him, but it's just like for him not to believe him. You know, he's uh, Louis is just so obsessed with this with this desire to be human and uh, that sort of thing. So that he just kind of dismisses Mowgli's honesty. Anyway, uh, so Bagheera and Baloo come to rescue Mowgli because, of course, they know that Louis is just going to mistreat him and they're just going to kind of keep him hostage. Uh, and so to do that, uh, Baloo <laughs> dresses up, tries to dress up as an ape, has like a leaf skirt, two coconuts on his muzzle to like, I guess, simulate what an ape's mouth would look like. And it's not a bad idea. Uh, but all this is going on while the song I Want to Be Like You is happening. Again, another great song. I think it's great. Um, so while all that's going on, uh, Baloo just kind of gets swept up in the party. Meanwhile, Bagheera's like, no, 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 what do you do? Like, he, he's like panicking because he's like, we got to figure out a plan and everything. So it's just very funny. 
that Baloo just kind of joins the party. Um, of course, everything falls to shit when Baloo is discovered. And then an, an ensuing game of, like, hot potato begins to happen because everybody's throwing Mowgli. Like, the apes want him. Baloo and Bagheera want him until finally these ancient ruins that that Louis is kind of, like, staying in end up collapsing around them uh, because why not? And so they escape. Uh, and then Bagheera speaks to Baloo and really is like, look, it's for the kid's safety because Shere Khan is now in, back in the jungle and you know the, what he's going to do when he finds them. And Baloo, I think to his credit, legitimately really cares about the kid he's feeling incredibly paternal he's like calling himself his papa berries he's very much like a father now he feels and so he know he he knows that he has to do the right thing which is to take Mowgli back and to give Mowgli the opportunity to survive in the jungle by going back to the man village because they're the only ones that could properly protect him from Shere Khan because Shere Khan won't go near the Man Village because he's afraid of them. And it sucks for him because he had already agreed to uh, Mowgli that he could stay with him in the jungle. And so he feels bad about breaking his promise. And I get that. I totally see where he's coming from. And I feel bad. I feel bad that Baloo is like being forced to not necessarily lie, but to break his promise in order for him to do the right thing, in order for him to consider Mowgli's safety, because like, what else are they gonna do? And of course, Mowgli is, um, upon hearing this, gets rightfully upset, uh, because he feels betrayed. He doesn't understand the danger that he's in, and then he runs off and he disappears. And so then this big, <laughs> the big, quote unquote, manhunt begins uh, for Mowgli uh, to try and find him. And then we cut to our first uh, real sight of Shere Khan, uh, who is hunting, uh, who's doing a little bit of hunting. He's hunting some deer, which I never thought was like a thing. <laughs> I never thought that like uh, deer were in the jungle, like is that is that really a thing that's like i'm not too sure like what the situation in regards to deer and the jungle are but we see him uh hunting some deer now here now the funny thing was is that when we when we're seeing shere khan uh kind of like hunting this deer the animation i think looks very very familiar and i think it's again an example of stole not i was gonna say stolen not stolen um, but uh, copied animation from Bambi, from the movie Bambi. Because if you look closely, the animation style is very, very similar. It's it's very different to the rest of the animation in the film. The 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 deer is very clean. It's very it's got very clear, sharp lines. It has very uh, realistic uh, look. Whereas the rest of the animals don't look that way. They all, they're all kind of stuck in that same animation style that's been prominent the last few films. So this is another prime example, I think, of just them adapt or uh, reusing uh, certain bits of animation. Anyway, so Shere Khan is there, and then he just happens to be near the, uh, the elephant patrol who gets stopped by uh, Bagheera because Bagheera is like, hey, they can help me find Mowgli. And so... He does that. He convinces them, or he asks for their help. The son convinces the father to assist in the search. But Shere Khan overhears all of this, which is, of course, bad news, because then it means that Shere Khan officially knows that Mowgli is in the jungle. And so now he knows that. And so now Mowgli is even is in even more danger than he was before, which is, you know, not great. But uh, they agree. They agreed to do like a little, like a patrol of the jungle to try and find Mowgli, which is really nice. Uh, and then, yeah, and so eventually Mowgli finds himself in like, or he, he encounters Ka again, uh, who hypnotizes him uh, to try and eat him again. 
but then he's interrupted by Shere Khan because I guess Ka and Khan are like buddies or like Shere Khan could like trust Ka to be his minion kind of thing. I don't know. There, there's a there's a relationship there. Anyway. And so uh, this is also where Ka sings the song Trust in Me because he's like trying to convince Mowgli to trust him, even though Mowgli is like, I can't trust anybody. Everybody that I've known has been, has like lied to me and betrayed me to get me to a place that I don't want to go, which again, rightfully so. Mowgli doesn't want to go to the to the man village and everybody's trying to force him to go. But and so he feels betrayed by the jungle effectively. So uh, Ka is like, you can trust me or whatever. And so he's hypnotizing because all he wants is to eat him. But then he's interrupted by Khan or by Shere Khan, who is like asking him, is like, who do you have in your coils up there? Who are you singing to? And Ka's like, oh, you know, it's my sinuses. I'm singing to myself because it helps. He's like uh, blatantly lying. It's very funny. And he's like, who is like, all right, well, show, show, show me. And so Ka's like nothing in here. He's like flicking his tail. He's like nothing over here. Nothing in here. Points to his mouth. And then Shere Khan's like, mm, what about the middle part? And so he like, Ka like expertly like, uncoils himself to show the middle part of his body while at the same time hiding Mowgli in the tree. It's actually very quick. It's very funny. And so Khan is like squeezing. He's like, hmm, like looking for him inside Ka's body. It's very funny. Uh, and then of course, uh, believes Ka because, you know, uh, he's, you know, he doesn't know, he doesn't, or he believes Ka because he has, he doesn't find any evidence otherwise. And so he's like, all right, fine. But, you know, if you do hear or find anything about the boy, you let me know, right? And kind of in a threatening manner. And so, of course, Ka's like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, eventually, Mowgli snaps out of the, the hypnotic state, uh, gets himself out of out of trouble, uh, and then finds himself in, like, this wasteland of the, of the jungle. I'm assuming it's, like, just outside of the jungle, uh, where he finds the vultures. Now, the vultures are very fun because i feel like they were straight up um copied or copying the beatles because the four of them all have like liverpool liverpudlian accents uh and they and they all sing together and that kind of thing but like just the vibe of them is very very Beatles, and I almost wonder whether or not they did that on purpose because the the original purpose was for them to actually have the Beatles cast in this role. I just thought that was a very funny little addition to the film. Uh, they're very they're very sweet characters. Like they're kind of like hanging out and like not sure they're bored and they're like trying to discuss what they want to do and stuff like that. Uh, and then eventually they find Mowgli and they're like, hey, let's, you know, let's hang on this guy. Let's, you know, let's play around with him. And so they're like kind of teasing him a little bit. But Mowgli is so obviously not into it. He's like, no, like he's like, fine, go ahead and make fun of me. I don't care. Not like I like he's feeling very defeated and very alone. And so the vultures see this and they're like, oh, no, this kid's going through something, which I think is actually kind of nice. Like they immediately stop the 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 light jabs and stuff like that and then they're like oh no 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 like this kid is actually he he needs a friend he he needs people to support him and so they turn and they they try and befriend him and i think that's actually very very sweet of them and then they sing uh they sing their song uh which i believe was called um what was it hold on i got it i got it here uh that's what friends are for which is a very fun kind of like um barbershop-esque feel it's very fun uh but then of course Sher khan sees all this happening and he arrives um and then that's kind of like where shit goes down because Sher khan's like threatening mowgli and mowgli's like standing his ground and he's like i know who you are but i'm not afraid of you kind of thing it's actually very cool uh and then like a fight kind of happens sort of it's not really a fight but like Mowgli is, like, trying to run away, and, like, the vultures are trying to distract him. Eventually, Baloo and Bagheera show up. Baloo fights back against Shere Khan. He eventually gets, like, beat down, like, pretty bad, actually. Like, if it were, like, you see Shere Khan, like, really, really badly, like, slashing at him. It's kind of dark. Then a lightning bolt strikes a tree while the vultures are carrying Mowgli away. And then they remind him, is like, oh, grab the stick that's on fire. He hates, he hates fire. 
And so Mowgli takes a stick, ties it to the end of Shere Khan's tail. And then, like, Shere Khan sees the fire, and then he freaks out, and then he runs away. Unfortunately, though, we are left with seeing Baloo there on the ground, seemingly unconscious, seemingly dead. It's real sad. And then Bagheera kind of, like, gives him, like, a little eulogy. Uh, and then Baloo wakes up, and is like, oh, and then, uh, uh, and then everyone's all happy about it, and it's, you know, it's it's very, very sweet. Uh, it's very nice to see him come back, and, you know, yeah, because we love Baloo. Baloo's, he's, he's a sweet guy, you know? He just wanted to make sure that Mowgli was safe, and it was all very, very nice and sweet. It's very great. Anyway, so after that, after they've sufficiently defe- defeated, chased him away, Shere Khan, anyway, after Shere Khan leaves, they continue their journey, and they end up... Uh, in the direction of the man village. And then while they're there, Mowgli hears something. He hears singing. And then he goes to the edge of the water, and there he sees a young girl from the village collecting water. And it is at that point where things change. Because up until that point, Mowgli saw the village, and he still hasn't. He, I, th- I think at this point he really understands that he's safer there, especially with Shere Khan uh, potentially being able to come back. Uh, and so he's kind of like, so he's still kind of wrestling with it, but then he sees the girl and, you know, he's immediately smitten because, you know, why not? He's 10. I guess he's starting going to start going through puberty, I guess. I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense, but it's what we got. So there you go. Anyway. And so he like begins to follow her and she like kind of like coyly, uh tries to get him to follow him i guess a little bit um but then yeah so he follows her towards the village uh he sees her drop this the pot that she was carrying on her head filled with water so he helps her and helps her carry it into the village and that's kind of what finally convinces him to go but the entire time He's like, what is that? Like, he's like pointing to the girl because, of course, he's never seen another human before. He's like, what? And it, and seeing a, a girl uh, is different because, you know, he's only seen himself for the most part uh, if he ever catches a reflection or whatever. Um, but he sees her and he's like, what is that? And Baloo, Baloo immediately knowing it's a girl, he's like, you stay away from those things. They're trouble. It's very funny. But, of course, he follows her in. He's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. He turns around. He turns around back to Baloo and Bagheera. Baloo is like, he's like super f- pissed off about it. Bagheera's like, well, I guess this is happening. <laughs> he just like shrugs. He's like, meh, I don't know. And then walks into the village. It's very funny. The end and like that last little like five minutes is actually quite funny for me. And then he finally joins the man village. And that's kind of the end of the story. All in all, I thought it was, I think it's a fun story. Um, now, do I think it's better? And the, here's the thing that I think is actually quite good is that Mowgli is animated as a person of color. Cause when you look at him, he's actually tanned. He's, he's a little Brown. He's not actually, he's not animated to be white or anything. So I think that's that in and of itself, I think is something. And I'm hoping that was kind of done on purpose if that makes sense. So, yeah. All in all, I really, really did like this movie. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it it's a classic for a reason. Um, the A couple of these songs are, again, just super fun. Like, you can't go wrong with The Bare Necessities or I Want to Be Like You. Like, both of them are super genuinely very, very fun, so, fun songs. Uh, as I mentioned before, so, so here's some uh, little uh, bits of trivia about this film. Uh, the Jungle Book was released in October 1967, just 10 months after Walt's death. Uh, this would have been the last thing that Walt had any sort of uh, hand in. Um, produced on a budget of fo- only $4 million, it was a massive success, grossing domestically $11.5 million by 1968. And by 1970, the film had grossed $13 million in domestic rentals. Uh, becoming the second highest grossing animated film in the United States and Canada, and then earning $23.8 million worldwide, becoming the most successful animated film released during its initial run. Uh, it's gone through a bunch of re- uh, re-releases. Uh, it was re-released theatrically in North America in 1978, 84, and 90, and then uh, in Europe throughout the 70s and 80s. Uh, 
yeah, it's gone through like a whole bunch of like different reissues. And that's not even to include a bunch of the reissues of like home video, like VHS and DVD and like in the Disney vault and stuff like that. So all in all, it's, you know, I'd, I'd say it made back its money. <laughs> uh, it received a bunch of positive reviews, uh, undoubtedly influenced by the nostalgic reaction to the death of Walt Disney. So I think people were like, oh, like Walt had died. And then everyone was like, oh, like, this is, this is like, his last great thing kind of thing, I guess. Um, the film does stray far from the Kipling stories, uh, but nevertheless, the result is thoroughly delightful. It is the happiest possible way to remember Walt Disney. Uh, that was uh, a thing uh, that was written by Time Magazine. Uh, the actual book itself, uh, if I can just find it, hold on. Uh, yes, here we go. So The Jungle Book, uh, again, published in 1984, is a collection of stories by Rudyard Kipling, uh, who is a very, very white man with a very bushy mustache. <laughs> it's a very bushy mustache. Um, again, like almost all of the characters are animals except for Mowgli, who's the only human character, or I guess outside of the, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Man Village, which I don't believe makes or is uh very prominent within the book itself um the tales in the book uh are mostly fables uh versus uh, the verses of quote the law of the jungle for example laid down rules for the safety of individuals families and communities kipling put in them nearly everything he knew or heard or dreamed about the indian jungle uh yeah Kipling lived in India as a child, and most of the stories are evidently set there, though it is not entirely clear where. The Kipling Society notes that Sioni, in the central uh, Indian state of Ma Madhya Pradesh, is mentioned several times, that the cold layers must be in the jungled hills of, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm butchering this, Chittorgar, Chittorgar, and that the first Mowgli story in The Rook is set in a forest reserve somewhere in northern India, south of uh, Simla. Mowgli's brothers as was positioned in the Aravali Hills of Raja, Rajasthan, Rajas, Rajasthan, uh, northwestern India. In an early manuscript, later changed to Sioni, and Bagheera treks from uh, Odipur, uh, Udaipur, Udaipur, Udaipur. I'm really bad at these. I'm so sorry. A journey of reasonable length to Aravali, but a long way from Sioni. Uh, so yeah, so like it's, it seems to have like, uh, just a few different stories kind of all put together, kind of like an, uh, oh, what's the word? Um, like a compilation of stories. Uh, you have, uh, their, their different, uh, chapter titles that I think are meant to tell different stories. So like, uh, Mowgli's Brothers, which I believe is in reference to, um, the wolves, uh, a boy is raised by wolves in the Indian jungle with the help of Baloo and Bagheera, the Black Panther, who teach him the law of the jungle. Some years later, the wolf pack and Mowgli are threatened by the tiger Shere Khan. Mowgli brings fire, driving off Shere Khan, but showing that he is a man and must leave the jungle. So I think that is kind of like, uh, that's the main plot that they took. Uh, they include Ka, uh, who is in the next chapter, Ka's hunting. Uh, yeah, it just seems like there's aspects of... A lot of these stories that they just kind of took and then made a story out of that kind of thing uh, rather than being then rather than there being like one strict narrative uh, if that makes any sense yeah uh, so the jungle book the actual story itself I believe is still available for purchase like I still think you can go out and buy it that was definitely something that I think that uh, Walt was uh, quite good at was having people having good storytellers in the company that were able to take things like that like oh hey here's bits and pieces of the story let's see if we can form them into a single narrative uh, it's nice that he that the company is able or has people who are good enough to actually be able to do that because I feel like if that if if, if it were any um, if they were to more follow that the idea of you know there being different segments and chapters, I feel like the story itself would feel a lot more disjointed, and you wouldn't have a, a story from start to finish. I feel like it would almost feel a little more like Sword in the Stone, 
where things are very seem very segmented. I think so. I think the movie is great. I think it does a good job for what it is, and I really enjoy it. I highly recommend this movie. I would give it maybe seven, seven out of ten. Yeah, I think it's good. It's a good like B grade movie. I yeah, if only for like the character of Blue, whom we all want to be friends with. I think. <laughs> I think we all want to be friends with Blue. Uh, and you know the songs. The songs are great, even the ones that like aren't iconic in the film, like uh, the the march of with the elephants and trust in me. Even those ones are still kind of fun, and I think they do a good job of like working within the film. Anyway, I recommend it. I think it's great. Y'all should watch it. And yeah, it is available. And then and it has like it has a live action version, and then like two sequels it's weird it has an animated sequel and then a live action sequel that has nothing to do with the live action remake but it's supposed to be a sequel to the animated version i don't know it's weird it, it it's gonna be interesting when we get into it i didn't expect like i, I literally came across and i was like uh across like the the live action sequel to the animated version and i was like wait this exists i had no idea it was a thing but apparently it is um however we are going to take a little break from uh this jungle book series because next week is the week of christmas and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to do a little review and discussion about probably one of the most iconic uh disney related christmas films uh i'm going to talk about a muppet christmas carol because i think that movie is great it is beautiful it is spectacularly done and i think it needs attention because, of course, next week is Christmas. So that's what I'm going to do. And I hope you will join me for that. I love you all. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful week, weekend, whatever you're doing. And take care of yourselves. Drink your water. Take your meds. Eat your food. And, yeah, give yourself a hug. Because why not? <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you all next time. Bye.